Welcome to Right on Track, a songwriting podcast. Thanks to Tone for tuning in. I'm Demi Michelle Schwartz, and I'm thrilled you're joining me on my songwriting journey. So kick back and relax, don't fall flat, and remember, stay right on track. Welcome back to Right on Track. Joining me today is a very special guest. Please welcome Jennifer Alvarado. Hey, Jennifer. Hello. How are you? Great. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I'm thrilled you're joining me today. We are going to have a fantastic conversation. And before we dive into all that we're going to discuss today, can you share with the listeners a little about yourself and your musical journey so far? Sure. Um, So I got started when I was probably... Well, I wouldn't say I got started, but I started writing when I was about four. Um, and it was something that I just always have loved to do. Um, I was always that shy kid. So writing was my way of sort of, um, I guess, relating to other people. And I could put it down in words and it was so much easier um, than having to express myself. And so, and I I loved music, just, I loved all genres of music. And I think that that's really played into my style now, um, because I grew up on country music with my grandparents, but my mom loved classic rock. And uh, then my other set of grandparents really loved like the Gaithers and, and Christian music. And so I had all these things coming from all these different sources. Um, But then got started with music uh with choir at church and got involved that way it led to school choir and then I started leading worship for church and and that's actually sort of what I spent most of my time doing was was being a worship leader and and my first album was actually contemporary christian um and that was the route I was going and then in 2020 when everything kind of went crazy um to say the least um I was stuck at home I had all these songs kind of just in my closet sitting there um that were more country country pop and I started releasing those just to see sort of am I gonna do something with this or you know what's happening here and they sort of took off so I really have over the past few years have have been pursuing that more and um, still am a worship leader, worship pastor, but also doing this country thing. That's fantastic. So much inspiration from you. I completely relate with turning to songwriting because you were shy, right? I feel like a lot of creatives are introverts and we turn to our craft to process things and connect with the world and kind of use our voices in ways that we can't do necessarily through verbalizing things. I'm not always comfortable Mm -hmm. speaking things, but it's easier writing those things down. So I completely agree with you there. And I think it's awesome how your first project was Contemporary Christian because that seems like it's very important to you and your faith and all of that. So what is it like to create contemporary Christian music? Because I know that's very different from maybe the more mainstream pop country. So what is the process of actually writing a song in that genre? Yeah, so for me, and I think that's one thing, I never really wanted to push my music whatsoever when I was doing contemporary Christian, because I I think when you're doing it in a church setting too, 
um, you want to make sure that you're not trying to promote yourself. And I never wanted to do that. And I never wanted it to seem that way. And so I was very sort of protective over what I was doing. Um, and also with a contemporary Christian, I, I feel like you have to wait for God moments, if that makes sense. Like it, it's almost like, okay, if you're upset and you go right, you can write a breakup song in five minutes. <laughs> um, but for me, contemporary Christian was more like, I, I really was waiting for him to really speak to me and, and know that it was almost like a, a download from him, if that makes sense. Um, and so I was, I, and I still am, I'm very um, just protective over that. And because I feel like those are conversations directly with him. I think those are prayers directly with him a lot of times. And so for me, it's, it's very hard to end up like, changing or editing those things because I, I feel like that was a conversation versus a, a song about a catfish that is is very worldly and you know you're kind of putting your own spin to it and trying to be clever in your own way and I, I still think that those ideas are from God but it's just different it's not I don't critique it in quite the same way if that makes sense that's fascinating. That's so interesting. And I love too how you said that it's almost like you don't want to promote yourself because, you know, the goal is to be selfless, right? And yeah. so I think that's really interesting and definitely connects into that. And the fact that you brought up the point of not necessarily wanting to edit and revise these songs, that's super interesting because as someone who mainly writes to pop and country, like I always go through, do rewrites, rewrites, but in the purposes of writing contemporary Christian and you feeling like it's a conversation with God or in sort of prayer in some ways, it's almost like you want to keep that authenticity and you don't want to alter it. So I think that's fascinating. Yeah, it's harder for me to to try to really go back and edit. Now, if something just doesn't make sense or if it's not you know, after the fact, I look at it and it's like, I don't know that that's, you know, really theo theologically sound in the moment. Um, so I go back and I'll fix those kind of things. But when it comes to, do I think this is going to make sense to the masses or something like that? Because I, I think that, you know, even scripture, when scripture's read to us, it can mean something different for you than it does me. Like that, that's the crazy and amazing thing about it is that it speaks to every person in their own way. And it's that private conversation. And so for me, that's what those songs are too. It's a, it's a private prayer. It's that conversation of just like, God help me. Um, and yeah, so I want that to be as real and, and genuine as it possibly can be. For sure. And I completely agree as well with music in general being different for everybody based on their interpretations and their own experiences. But with Christian music in particular, I definitely think there's a greater level of taking what you need from the moment. And so I think it's really interesting how you take these moments and translate it into a song to capture 
that moment, that special experience that you are having. So what are some of the themes you like to explore in your Christian music? The biggest is hope because I think, I remember when my grandmother was in the hospital, one of the last things she said to me was hope dies last. And, you know, that's not to say love is not the greatest or anything like that. But if you think about it, there's truth in that statement from the, from the fact of as long as you have hope, you keep going. And when you start to lose that hope, that's when everything else kind of falls apart. And so that's my biggest thing is I want people to have hope because I remember growing up and feeling so alone at times. And, you know, there was some bullying at school and stuff like that. And so there was a lot of times I would go home and music was my, my safe place. Like whatever I needed to like get out or talk about, I could with music. And the other thing was I would listen to these songs that people would write and feel like somebody else understood me. And so I think that that's the biggest thing with all of my music is that I want there to be a hope that somebody else gets you um, or gets me and gets the situation. And it may not be the exact situation by any means, but just that that hope that you're not the only one going through something and that somebody else is able to join beside you and and you take on the world. That's absolutely beautiful. I love that. I think as songwriters, we almost have sort of a responsibility, I think, to create that safe space and that understanding place for listeners because we were given, I truly believe that we were given a gift of music for a reason. And so I think that us using that gift to speak our own stories and put our own experiences into writing, we are then translating that to our listeners and hopefully giving them hope and them comfort and companionship. And I think it's almost like these songs come through us for a reason. And as we are writing them and sharing them, we're giving others the feeling of, hey, you're not alone, and I understand you, and that there is hope. Seeing someone else, I think one of the most incredible things is hearing a song or knowing somebody personally, seeing them go through something difficult, and then come out the other side into the light and get through that. I think those moments give so much hope, and sharing those experiences through songs and sharing inspiration to help others is something that's so important for songwriters, and I'm truly blessed to be able to do this. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Agree a thousand percent. So you also do some pop country crossover music as well with the contemporary Christian. So why do you think it's important for you to do both the genres and also your thoughts on doing more than one genre as an artist? Because there are conversations out there in the industry saying you should focus on one genre and this and that. And I don't do that either. I do contemporary (laughs) pop and I do country. So I do more than one genre too. And I think it's important to be open to more than one genre. So what are your experiences with that? So I think it goes back to just loving music. Um, And you can learn something from so many different sources. And I think that it's only natural then that you may bend your sound. Like I I look at somebody like Taylor Swift, for example. Mm -hmm. And she's always reinventing herself. She's always like 
you know, changing her sound. Um, and, and I don't necessarily want to do that, but I, I, I look at the song and sometimes the song itself, you know, bends more toward pop or bends more toward rock or, you know, and, and I think when, I think as a songwriter, especially like you've got to take yourself out of it. Like it's about the song that's being written. And so I think when you're going through it, if you already limit that to say, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm a country artist, therefore everything has to have steel guitar and, and, and whatever, like it's such a limitation to what you're able to create. And so I think that's, that that's a huge thing. I, I, you know, I understand that people sort of, there is that discussion and I get that. Um, I try to not listen to it as much as I can <laughs> yeah. just because it's like, you know, but everybody's different. And if you're being real to yourself, I, I feel like it's only natural that if you've grown up listening and being influenced by all these different genres, you're not going to just fit into one genre. And, and I don't know that we're meant to, because I, I just feel like that's part of, that's part of that whole culture of just like, oh, well, you've got to be over here in this bubble. And, and I've always been very against that um, because I don't, I don't feel like we should be putting people into little boxes. Um, and, and I think it causes a lot of division in a way where if we were just kind of open to people expressing themselves how they need to express themselves, um, I think that there would be a lot less drama and, and arguments. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, art is art for a reason. We're not exactly. doing science. This isn't science. There aren't rules that you absolutely have to follow. Sure, there's tools and techniques and things that would be expected in songs, but there's no specific way to write a song. And as an art form, and as something that's truly an expression of the human condition, our emotions, and all of that, I truly don't think that we can conf confine something like that through certain parameters set by what other people think. Like, I think we need to focus on what we're trying to say at the moment. And like you said, the song will let us know. And I think the most special thing about starting a new song is, you know, when I start to think of a concept or write down some lyric ideas, even in those early stages, I have no idea what the song's going to sound like because I'm more focused on the message and the concept and the emotion behind it. So I don't know at the beginning if it's going to be country, if it's going to be pop, if it's going to have other genres mixed in. And I think being free with the process, especially in those early stages, you're going to give the songs in yourself so many other opportunities and avenues to go down because you're not making choices specifically for a genre that you feel you need to be writing in. So talk a little more about your songwriting process. Are you more of a starting with the lyrics or melody or anything else? For me, the process is always different. Um, it used to be with lyrics. Like I, I feel like for the most part, I'm very much a lyricist. Like that, that's where my, I don't know that that's where my love is like my word, my love of words and, and wanting to put things together. Um, and I've always wanted to tell stories. So I, I think it starts there a lot of times. Like I may get like 
just a little saying or or thought bubble and and be like hmm that would make a good song okay but every once in a while like I will get like a whole melody in my head and I'll just write the words based around that melody that's awesome and I think that also emphasizes too that you're being free with the process you know like I'm more a lyricist too but there are moments when I'll get melody fragments and play around with them. And I think being open to the songwriting process is important, too, because you're not discarding ideas just because you're writing a song in a way that's different than usual. You know, so I think it's just about being open and being open to that inspiration, whichever way it comes to you. Well, and that's one reason that I love co-writes. Yeah. Um, I used to not. Like, I used to be terrified because I'm that person that... <laughs> I would always read the book before class started so <laughs> yeah. that there was no surprises. And so it's the same way with like co-writes. When I first started, I was like, I don't want to look stupid. What if I say something weird, you know, which is inevitable. Um, and now I love it because you get to really understand somebody else's way of, of going through a song or, or approaching that song. And, and you get to see these little like glimpses into somebody else's life. And, and I love watching the creative process. Like I will go to shows and watch how somebody, you know, performs and, and what they do and their little nuances and all that. Like I look at it as like a lesson um, and a, a studying opportunity, honestly, because I, I don't know, like I've always just been so intrigued by the creative process and how other people approach it and do it. Um, and it's always very unique to each person. And so I think that that's very cool. Absolutely. Yeah, I love co-writes as well, just for all the reasons you've mentioned. And, you know, every co-write I do, I grow as a songwriter. I grow as a person. I feel like I yeah. become more empathetic. And every co-write you're in, there's a ton of vulnerability involved. You know, whether you're writing with an artist or just writing a song with another songwriter, not knowing where that song's going to go. Songwriting is so vulnerable in general, but doing it with another person is just whole other level. And I think it's extremely special how there are situations where maybe you don't really know the songwriter super well. Maybe you just connected online or at a retreat and you're writing a song basically with a stranger first. And by the end of that song, you feel like you know them on such an intimate level because you wrote this extremely authentic song. And so I think that the craft of songwriting in general whether we're doing it on our own and sharing our songs with the world or sharing that creative process with somebody else, it allows us to truly share our stories and get glimpses into others' lives. And I think that just makes us overall more empathetic and understanding of the world around us and the different people in it. Definitely. Definitely. And and I think that that's so important because, you know, like we were talking about earlier with the art of it, um, I, I think the truly you don't have to truly understand somebody's situation to be able to speak to them. Um, I think it helps, but I also think it just means humbling yourself enough to like kind of put yourself in, in those shoes. I definitely think it requires a level of imagination too. And I think as creatives, we definitely have big imaginations and not knowing all the facts or all the details we're still able to imagine what that was like for that person and put ourselves in their shoes. And I think that's incredible. And I think 
music in general having a way of connecting people from all around the world. Music is a universal language, so I think the more music is put out there, the more it's experienced and written, I think it's going to continue to bring people together, and that's beautiful. So something I wanted to chat with you about that I read on your website that extremely resonated with me is you give voice to the voiceless. And just the way that's written, it's, it's, it holds so much meaning to that. So can you talk a little about what exactly this means to you? Yeah. So back in 2013, I got really involved with um, a Celebrate Recovery ministry at, at my local church. And um, from that, just really, because I didn't understand what Celebrate Recovery was about. And for, for anyone who doesn't, um, I just encourage you to look that up um, because it's not a normal 12-step program like AA or NA. Um, it's Christian-based. And so the higher power is Jesus Christ. Um, but beyond that, it's not just for somebody with substance abuse issues or something like that. It is it is literally for every single person um, because, you know, the whole idea is anybody with a hurt habit hang up. and. I mean, that's all of us, if we're honest. Um, And I think from that, I I realized not just those that are in recovery um, from substance abuse or or any abuse, but honestly, all of us, like we're fighting this, this worldly concept of just sort of losing our voice over time. Um, and, And I really believe that that's one way that you know, the enemy can get to us because it's not necessarily telling you you're wrong. It's more like making you believe that what you have to say doesn't matter. Because if, if you can be voiceless and, and, or rendered voiceless and, and feel like you just don't matter, um, then he's won as far like the enemy has won as far as like making you feel like what you have to say, what you have to do, your purpose on in this world. Um, none of it matters. And, and therefore you just become stagnant in what you're doing. And so for me, trying to get across that every person has a voice um, and, and a gift and it doesn't matter if you think that you're equipped or you're not like, if you aren't or you feel like you aren't, then work toward that. But it's so important to be able to share our stories with other people because it's those stories that resonate and connect with others that really help pull others out of their situations and out of their just ideas of worthlessness or or whatever may be going on with them. Um, And so that's really where that is coming from. It's coming from a, from a recovery standpoint of meeting so many people and hearing so many testimonies where because of addiction, because of, of circumstances that have happened in their life, um, these individuals and, and, and honestly me too, like all of us were made to feel ashamed or, or feel like we don't matter. And that's just not true. Um, you can still be used for for big things and important things. And if nothing else, to be that story um, for somebody else to see how much they're worth and that they are good enough and that um, they have a purpose and, and they were created for a purpose. 
That's so powerful. I think oh. this kind of ties back into the hope a little bit. You know, like when you when you believe that you don't matter and that you're worthless and that your voice doesn't hold a purpose, I think you start to lose hope. And I think I love how you consistently said this isn't just for you know, some severe cases, like we all have had moments when we felt like we didn't matter. And we felt like we were losing hope. And we felt like what we had to say didn't hold any meaning. And I think that this is incredible, because reminding ourselves that even through those difficult times, and even just from our own beliefs of ourselves and the things that we tell ourselves, yeah. that negative self-talk, like not to listen to it. You know, going back to what your grandma said, like hope's the last thing to die. I completely agree with you. Like once you lose hope, it's kind of like, that's it, you know? Yeah. And so I think that everything you just said ties right into hope. Yeah. And and honestly, like, I think that that's really more than anything what Celebrate Recovery taught me um, because I, you know, I didn't go for substance abuse or, or addiction of some sort. I I started just wanting to lead worship there and thought that that was really why I was there. And, and what I found out very quickly was that, you know, I have a codependency thing <laughs> and and it came from somebody one of my best friends who got up there, well, she's one of my best friends now, but that night, like my very first night, she got up and gave a testimony about codependency and what that looked like and, and her own codependency. And I was like, huh, that sounds like me because I was completely blind to it. I, I thought perfectionism was one of those things that you put on a resume that looked good. Um, instead of realizing like, no, it's, it's, that you know it's kind of a character flaw yeah um when you take it to extreme it can be a character flaw. <laughs> um and so it really opened my eyes to to things in my own life that were just kind of setting me back from really living out God's will for my life and and really trying to people please and trying to be perfect all the time like it it left me so fearful of being able to use my voice and being able to, because I went through performance anxiety and all kinds of anxiety um, for a number of years to where I would go up to sing and couldn't, couldn't do anything. Um, I would just shut down. And um, a lot of that came and, and stemmed from thinking that I had to be absolutely perfect at all times. Um, you know, I developed an eating disorder in middle school because Again, I thought you've got to be perfect. You've got to look perfect. You've got to be this. You've got to be this size to to be seen and to be heard, and whatever. And and none of that's true. But those are all lies that culture and and the enemy tried to feed us over time. And and honestly, it renders us powerless. Like we we end up just kind of being this bubble that goes through the motions. Um, and not really living life and living out your purpose. Yeah, so much power in that too. Yeah, I can definitely see myself as someone who has struggled with the ideas of perfectionism and like wanting mm -hmm. to be perfect. And when you're creating something like a song that isn't perfect, art isn't perfect, you know, like tracing that back into our own lives, we're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. 
if everyone right. was perfect, the world wouldn't hold any, hold any meaning. I think there's beauty and flaws and all of that. Like, we're all unique for reasons. And so, yeah, I think this all ties together beautifully. The whole, like, don't try to be perfect. There's no point in perfection. That doesn't even exist. And, you know, not losing hope and losing your voice because of thoughts of imperfection. So, yeah. There's so much power from this. Well, Jennifer, it was lovely having you on. Before we go, what are some final thoughts you would like to share about hope and faith in general? Yeah, so um, one of my big, I guess, quotes that I sort of live by is, uh, it's from Christine Kane. Um, and if you haven't heard from her, she's got a powerful story. Um, look her up, listen to her. Um but she says, it's only those willing to look foolish that do big things for God. And um, that's sort of what I've lived by for a number of years. Um, I, I think as a musician, <laughs> sometimes people look at you and they're like, oh, she's another dreamer. And uh, when are you going to get a real job? And all those little things that people say um, <laughs> to try to be helpful. And I had to get past that because I grew up and was the responsible one, was the one that was always kind of the adult in the room and with all my friends and everybody. And it kind of set me back in, in the in the sense of I always felt like music was a pipe dream, but it's also always where I came back to um, because I knew very early on it's what I was being called to do, but I was scared to do it. And so I, I think my biggest thing to leave people with is if if there is just something that tugs at your heart that you know God has just really told you that like, hey, this, this is where um, you have some power. Um, it doesn't matter what everybody else thinks or says, like it, it matters what he tells you and, and those you just spoke about flaws and that everybody has them. And I really truly believe that it's our flaws that he uses because he doesn't want somebody who's already equipped. He wants somebody who's willing to like answer that call and trust him. And, and I truly believe that he uses our flaws as, as that thing that sets us apart from other people so that, we aren't trusting ourselves. We're trusting him with it. And, uh, so just, I guess, remember that, like, no matter where you are in your journey, um, because music is, is a difficult journey. It's one of those things where it's completely subjective on so many levels. And, and so a lot of times we get our worth from what other people are saying. And we have to remember that that's not where our worth comes from. Um, that's not who gave us a gift. That's not who put the thoughts in our head. And uh, to just stick by and be authentic to your own voice and, and what he's calling you to do. Wow, truly inspiring. Jennifer, thank you so, so much. I'm so moved by everything you shared during our conversation. Oh. And I hope all the listeners are as well. Where can you share where everyone can find you online and listen to your music? Yeah, so I'm on all the streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, all that stuff. Um, just look up Jennifer Alvarado. Um, also check out my website, jenniferalvarado.com. Um, 
please join my mailing list just to kind of stay up to date. I won't spam you. I'm very bad about actually sending out anything. Um, but you can connect there. Um, and then it'll have links to my Instagram, with this, which is Jennifer Alvarado Music. Um, or follow me on Facebook, backslash Jim Music 12. Or just look up Jennifer Alvarado Music. Um, or follow me on Twitter um, with Guitar Diva 12. So I'm on all the stuff. Perfect. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much again for joining me. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Jennifer Alvarado. And of course, until next time, stay stay right right on on track. track.